Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. This episode is brought to us by Mike the Strongman. Are you tired of getting your training and nutrition advice from someone with only a weekend certification? Then perhaps it's time to turn to someone with over 15 years of research-based experience. Mike the Strongman can help you with all your training and nutrition needs. Mike has a proven track record of getting results with his clients. Visit MikeTheStrongMan.com for more information or email Mike at MikeTheStrongMan at gmail.com if you're ready to take your performance to the next level. This episode is also brought to us by the Healthiest You Chiropractic Center. The Healthiest You Chiropractic Center in Strongsville, Ohio is dedicated to giving their patient community the highest level of healthcare. Their doctors have been trained on the newest and most innovative styles of chiropractic and rehabilitative treatments. From back pain to ankle strains, the Healthiest You has remedies for a variety of injuries. Are you looking to perform better in life and activity? Their team takes a wellness-based approach on health rather than only focusing on symptoms such as pain. Call 440-238-3338 or email them at thychiro, that's T-H-Y-C-H-I-R-O, at gmail.com for questions about becoming a patient. Now is a better time than ever to become the healthiest you. And last but not least, this episode is brought to us by CrossFit Strongsville. CrossFit Strongsville is a place where everyday people become heroes every day. Through qualified coaching, challenging yet modifiable exercise programming, and a supportive community unlike any other, members find a way to break through personal barriers physically, mentally, and emotionally. No matter what level you're at, from the very beginner to the elite, you'll find you receive great service from the moment you walk through the door, and we promise it will be one of the best hours of your day. Check out CrossFitStrongsville.com for more information and to sign up for a free one-on-one consultation with the owner, a 12-year veteran of the fitness and therapy fields. Okay, folks, we have back with us today Jeff Wilson of Instruments of Freedom Technical Weapons Training Group. Jeff wanted to come back on the podcast to talk about big news that's going on at his shop. And Jeff also brought with him his business partner, Mr. Ethan Franz. And this is Ethan's first time on the podcast, so of course we had to get into his story a little bit. And I enjoyed getting to know Ethan, and I feel like we just scratched the surface with this story. So hopefully we can get him back on to dig a little deeper. So without any further ado, sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have back with us Mr. Jeff Wilson. Jeff, how are we doing? Doing wonderful. How are you doing? And Jeff wanted to bring on his business partner, Mr. Ethan Franz. Ethan, how are we doing? Oh, I'm doing great today, man. Good day, good day. Well, it's good to have you here. Uh, this is the third time that Jeff's been on the podcast. He's also been on episodes 6 and 21, so if you want to hear more from Jeff, go back and listen to some of those. <laughs> and then this is uh, Ethan's first time in the podcast, so Welcome. Uh, you can see my wonderful setup here. And, it's beautiful. In my, beautiful. In my studio <laughs> in the living room. It's the studio. <laughs> so uh, Jeff wanted to come back on and talk about some of the new things that are happening at the shop, which is why he wanted to bring his business partner, Ethan, on. So, uh, so what are the new things that are going on? What's, what's the big news? Yeah, the big oh, news man. is we got the 2019 schedule out. Um, if, you haven't, if you're not on our email list, go ahead and send us, you know, at uh, info at ioftwtg.com. 
will respond out to you, send you uh, the the 2019 schedule. We got a lot of good stuff. We got Pat Mack coming this year. Uh, again, that's the second time up. We have uh, got at the end of March, we've got Cogworks coming in from out in Utah, a bunch of special ops guys. And uh, we're pretty pumped about that two-day course. That one will be fun. Yeah, that one will be really – that one will rock, uh, as well as Pat Mack rocks. Well, I mean, know, Pat's that's an a, that's interesting character. Yeah, well, we yeah. kind of talked yeah, about that know, in episode 21. Yeah. So, so uh, but we've got that. We just we just got issued at the end of uh, 18 our FFL. So now we have the uh, ability to buy, sell firearms. And uh, we're super excited about that. We're in the process of working on our Type 10. Now, now, what's that? The Type 10 is it's a, a whole combination of explosives. It has a destructive device license. It has uh, Class 3 weapons, our SOT, which is Special Occupational Tax, for, like, suppressors, that type of stuff. A lot of specialty stuff. Okay. The uh, NFA, so that we can, you know, transfer machine guns, basically, that, yeah. are, that are made before 1986 or manufactured before 1986. Mm-hmm. So it's going to open up a whole lot in the law enforcement military part of the business. To, yes, because that's, that's not really something that most civilians can get into because right. they don't have the license for those kind of things. Correct. And that's one of the things with holding that license, we'll be able to educate. Like someone says, hey, you know, I've always wanted to collect, like, the military weapons. Now, if they've got the dollars to do it, they can get, like, an actual M16. They can get a Tommy gun. You know, they can get, you know, an, a, a BAR, you know, uh, all the different types of World War firearms you can get a hold of. That are automatic weapons that, that, are, that yes. most civilians can't get their hands correct. on, that a lot of people, unfortunately, who are uneducated, don't understand. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, people people are all like, oh, you can't own that machine gun. Yeah, you can you go through the proper steps, you know, everybody that we do, we deal with are, you know, at least as far as we know, yeah. are law-abiding <laughs> citizens. So if you go through the proper channels, you know, do the paperwork, yes, you can own pieces of history. You know, the M14 uh, is an incredible weapon system. And, yeah, you can own those. Just got to have the dollars to do it. Yeah, because, they're, they're quite expensive. Yeah, anything anything is made before 1986 and is a machine gun, guess what? <laughs> they're high dollar. So, oh, This is just an expensive hobby to begin with. You know, then you start throwing in all that specialty stuff with it. You know, I hope you like eating ramen. So <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm saving up for a new firearm. What, yeah. are you, what are you doing eating peanut butter and jelly every day? Like, I'm saving up. Saving up. <laughs> uh, man, you, you learn how to cook ramen some different ways. You cut up some hot dogs or something, yeah. put it in there. I, I mean, mean you, let, you can make it last. <laughs> but let's be real honest. I mean, most hobbies are pretty expensive oh, once yeah. you really start to get into it. Oh, yeah. It doesn't. So, I mean, so you can waste your money in lots of things. Like, I, I've got a friend right now, and she's saving up for a new tattoo. You know, oh, wow. so, so she's like not wanting to go out at lunch and like oh, yeah. want to pack and do all this kind of that. What are you doing? Like, come on, like it's it's ten bucks. It's yeah. not like no, I'm saving up for a tattoo. It's yeah. like so like you can spend money on anything. Oh, like, absolutely, it's, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. It's just my, like a lot of what I like to do likes to explode and shoot projectiles. It's, yeah, to me it's it's fun. I don't know. <laughs> it's a release. <laughs> it's it's a good time. It's a good. That's time, for that's damn for sure. <laughs> so that's that's some of the stuff that we got going on right now. Okay. Yeah, um, looking. Looking great for the schedule. Uh, I mean, we got all kinds of classes uh, planned out, scheduled. Okay, uh, no, so, no. For so, besides some of like the specialty classes, like Pat McNamara coming in. What's the guys coming in? Uh, Cogworks. Cogworks. Some yeah. of those guys coming. In. Like, well, what are some of like one of the more popular ones? Just for, like for your local people. Yeah, yeah like, most of the civilians. local people are they're they're getting into uh, the advanced concealed carry. You know, really working on their craft. You know, what we always talk about in our classes when people start to take it that, you know, you ha- this changes your lifestyle. Yes. If you're going to carry a firearm, something that is a de- deadly weapon, 
in self-defense, you need to learn how to use your brain first because that weapon is really the last resort. So um, those are some of the ones, the advanced concealed carry. We do a two-day advanced concealed carry, which we've got coming up, what, April, April I believe? April 12th and 13th, Yeah, I April believe. 12th and yeah. 13th. That one we will get into, uh, obviously, the fundamentals of draw strokes, drawing from cover. Um, we'll get into day two into uh, high-threat vehicle engagements where we're actually shooting out of the car through glass. And what we do is we put up a big sheet so you can see the deflection of shooting out of a glass. And then we put the sheet on the inside and you can see what happens when you're shooting into the glass. So it follows that linear angle. And uh, those are things you just need to learn how to do. Yeah. So um, that's a real popular class. Now, now what makes that class different than like somebody else's standard cookie cutter, buy the book, you know, uh, concealed handgun license class? Uh, It's just the next step. It's the next step because, the, you know, the state of Ohio mandates an eight-hour course. So you have six hours in the classroom and you have two hours on the range. Yeah. And in no way, shape, or form. And the two you. hours in the range is a joke, right? Because, like, the class that I went cool. through was ludicrous. And we shot at a pie plate from, like, 15 feet. Yeah. We, we actually – we flat out tell everybody when you come and sign up for ours, it's not going to be eight hours. <laughs> You're going to be there longer than that. And we try and jam as much as we can into that eight and a half, nine hours. Uh, we normally spend almost two and a half, three hours, you know, manipulations and at the range. The uh, yeah, we go through hundred to hundred and fifty rounds, you know, at a CHL class. Yeah, where most places, what do you do in yours? Probably fifty. Yeah, and, and like probably fifteen to twenty of that was just at the end, like oh, blow off some ammunition because we're already done for the day. Like we didn't do anything. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what's so sad to us that that we see this, and and we're not trying to take anything away from other instructors. No, it's like it's anything but, else. They're they're covering what is legal in the right. state of Ohio, like, and they're doing that, and they're doing it for a specific reason, because right. they don't want the legalities of everything else. Right. And I understand that because of lawyers. I, I get it. Right. But I've also got a bunch of friends who come to me and say, "Hey, I've got my concealed handgun license. I'm so excited! Like, that's awesome, dude. Good for you. I'm excited." Yeah. Go take some classes. Yeah. yeah. Go actually yeah. learn how to manipulate your weapon. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it because there's uh, we had several people come in the shop the other day and we just started talking. Um, these guys are third shifters and how they beat us to the shop, you know, and they were just waiting because, oh, we saw this place. This is awesome. We wanted to come and see it. And they were talking about their class. They didn't even go over the 21 foot rule, you know, which, you know, the average person, average condition can cover 21 feet in, you know, one and a half seconds. Yeah. So what that means is how, how fast can I get my weapon system out from cover, get a good sight picture and start running rounds and get energy on target? How fast people, you know, people start thinking about wait a second, one and a half seconds. And then we actually time them. Oh yeah, we, we actually that's like, not in, that long. No, in upper in the in the advanced concealed carry, that's another thing that is the next step up. So we actually show that hey, here, ready, beep, <laughs> one and a half seconds is gone, and yeah. they're still fiddle fucking around trying. To and, it, and it's amazing, it's hilarious because I've shot competition for years. It's amazing what a timer, a simple timer, oh, can yeah. do to just induce just a little bit of stress. Oh, on oh you absolutely, and make you just lose about twenty IQ points. Like oh. Yeah. <laughs> What happened? I had this whole plan. I knew what it was going to do. This is simple. I practiced all the time in my living room. This is great. Yeah, that's right. All of a sudden, oh, this is a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> well, I think I think part of the problem with that is people take it kind of haphazardly. They yes. they get their license, like you said, and then and now they're John Wick. Yeah. Now they're like, I carry a gun, and I'm like, okay, well, how do you you know how well are you with your uh, equipment? 
well, I shoot, you know, 20 rounds here and there every other week or yeah. something. I try to go to the range every you know, other month and shoot a box of 15 rounds standing yeah, statically. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I get that not everybody is going to under, people don't know that they don't know. You know, I'm not expecting people to think and, and breathe and act the same way I do because I carry a gun. But I still think that people should be competent in the use of that equipment. You know, uh, one of the things I tell a lot of our students is that professional athletes don't train for one eight-hour day and go play the Super Bowl or the World Series or the World Cup. They spend every day for 365 days a year training. The only day a year that they don't train is the day of that game. And that's... Yeah, that's the ultimate it, training yeah. because that's that's the game. That's you the know? test. Yeah. That's yeah. the test. I mean... What I, I put in, did I get out? Yeah. Am I... Do I know that I can perform? Yeah, you know? and, and that makes a lot of sense. That's something most people don't look at when it comes to firearms training, especially. They think, if oh, if I go every you know every month or whatever and go pop a few rounds off at the range, then, then I'm good to go. I'm like, no, you're not. Right. Well, you, you got to train hard. Yeah, because people don't want to look at the nitty gritty of it. Because when you boil it down, basically what you're doing is saying that I'm willing to gamble my life on the skills that I have on the on every round that's ever come out of my firearm. I'm willing to bet my life that that was good enough to defend it in the event that I need to do it. That's right. basically what they're saying. And so when people carry those guns and they don't they don't train, they don't take that time to push themselves and see how they react under stress, they're basically just setting themselves up to fail. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there who have survived some kind of self-defense engagement with simply nothing but, you know, that eight-hour course. But there's also plenty of other people who have died from hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of training. And, I mean, a bullet kills them just as dead as everybody else. Yeah. So I think people have a tendency to think that they'll rise to the occasion. And that's not going to happen. I mean, it's statistically proven that people fall back on their highest level of master training. They don't they don't just jump to the front and and hurrah hurrah. I'm, I'm, I'm here I'm here to do my job, you know, kind of thing. I, I just don't believe that. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's also one of the reasons why we talked about last time you were on, Jeff, about the tactical Tuesdays that you guys were running. Right. Yeah. And that was something that yeah. could get people out and get them more training more often. You probably Put them in more situational kind of stuff. Right. We can kind of test them and kind of put that stress on them. And I hate to say it, but a timer is a good way to do that. Yeah, timer is a good way to do it. And plus, every time you're around your buddies or your friends or as the group grows, now you've got peer pressure, you know, of I want to perform well. And you can see it in the students, you know, when we set up a drill, do this, do that. They get going and, and you can see man, I, I, I fucked up there. Damn it. Damn. You know, uh, and, you, and you know, now all of a sudden they're thinking about that and we talk them off the ledge a little bit, just go through it again. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's a great one. That one's starting up here in March. Uh, I think we're going to be starting up probably the middle, yeah, middle, middle of March, the end of March, yeah. depending okay. on the weather. Yeah. Um, we got to get the range cleaned up. And yeah, and that's obviously a weekly thing. It's, it's yeah, that's Tuesdays. every week, uh, every week of uh, each month. Right now, uh, we're at $200 for the month. So, I mean, that's that's 25 bucks a night, <laughs> you know, or $25 a Tuesday, which yeah, is pretty every, cheap. Every or, I'm Tuesday, sorry, $50. to be specific. I apologize. <laughs> it's $50 every Tuesday. But anyhow, um, still, to be able to go out work a couple hours and work on your craft that's inexpensive i wish it was that cheap when i was <laughs> when i was going through all the stuff growing up and learning 
But, uh, yeah, so we've got that coming up, Tactical Tuesdays. Like I said, we've got the advanced concealed carries. For the precision guys out there, we've got a two-day data collection course where we're going to get data for our our uh, rifles from 50 yards out to a mile if you're if your rifle has the legs to do that. And speaking of precision rifles, we have a raffle going on right now. Um, I don't know if you've seen it or um, got the email on it, but we have a, it's a semi-automatic custom built 308 AR-10 platform. Uh, It's about a $6,000 firearm and it is a tack driver. I zeroed it in at a hundred and you can cover uh, four rounds with a dime. So I mean, it, we saved zero targets, yeah, actually so we could actually prove it to people. You know, <laughs> yeah, actually, that was, that's oh, let's be honest. That's only if you have the skills to shoot like that. Yeah, yes, but most people don't. The good part about it is they we know the rifle can do it. So if you can't do it, train, 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 <laughs> as we always yeah, talk yeah. about. But we've got that data collection coming up. Uh, the da- data collection course. We've got the raffle. I think what we have, we're only selling fifty tickets. Like I said, it's a six thousand dollar plus rifle. Uh, what like fourteen tickets left? I think it's 14 or 15 or yeah. 16. Yeah, We're right in, in the teens. Yeah, left, somewhere left you know. on that. They're $125 each, you know, for for $6,000 rifle. I mean, again, I wish back when I was growing up I, I had that opportunity. But it's gone to a good, co- a good cause, a student of ours for the last 12 years. I don't know if you met him or not um, because I know he's come to a lot of different training. But Jim McWhorter, he's from Canton. It doesn't uh, sound familiar, okay. but it doesn't mean anything. Well, he passed away from mesothelioma, okay. um, but he was a, he was a retired Navy veteran, uh, great individual, and he's trained with uh, he trained with Ed Atherton and I, you know, back eight nine years ago, and he's just consistently come when we opened the store. He was there at the grand opening as a little walker and stuff, <laughs> and you know he still consider um, continued to support us even when he could barely move. He came to our precision rifle class last year, and we basically wheeled him around in his wheelchair and helped him out and set him on the ground. And, <laughs> you know, basically he worked. On. So a lot of the proceeds are going to that family. Okay. Um, the other part of the proceeds were going to go to uh, uh, a local veterans group called the uh, Lost Warriors here in Worcester. Are they located in Worcester? Is yeah, that's yeah. their Worcester. Yeah, Worcester, Ohio chapter, so. So a lot of good things going on. Um, other than the precision stuff, we've got, you know, the tactical carbine courses coming up. We've got, um, I think, a couple two-day carbine courses. we got a pistol carbine course. But it's 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 pretty full schedule. Uh, we're pretty excited about it. It sounds like a bunch of good stuff, that's for yeah, sure. Gone to Michigan again this year to teach at the Michigan Tactical Officer Association. Yeah, really coming up in May. That. Yeah, that'll be a good time. So. And then, of course, the Ohio Tactical Officer Association, yeah. which we get to uh, be, be students, which I that's that's pretty much the highlight of my year every year. My better half always makes fun of me. <laughs> yeah, you, you get to go play in the range and learn. Yeah, actually, well, I, get to, I get to be the student. I so. would say, yeah, last year was my first year attending OTOA and phenomenal. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Dude, I can't describe how cool that was to be able to go do things that uh, a person that you know, I, I don't know. I guess I never thought I'd ever be doing this stuff for a living, actually. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, it's so cool to be able to wake up every morning and, and know that I enjoy what I do and that I'm happy doing it. All right. Well, yeah. let's, let's kind of dive down that hole since you haven't been on the show before. Let's, let's kind of talk about maybe like how you grew up a little bit and kind of what brought you into these kind of things and how you kind of started doing this kind of stuff. Maybe how you two met and, sure. and kind of just go from there. Um. Well, <laughs> I, this conversation usually starts with Jeff giving his background, um, and if you guys go back and listen to the previous episodes, I'm sure you'll 
hear him giving his little spiel there. And uh, my background stems from about the opposite, opposite side, side of the law. <laughs> um, I was what you would call a quote unquote shithead. Um, <clears throat> so with that being said, you know, growing up, uh, I had my fair share of uh, substance abuse problems and I let that control a large majority of my life. Um, whether it was alcohol or drugs, there was, it was there, um, you know, it happened. And when I was 19 years old, uh, my mom basically died right in front of me. I basically watched my mom die right in front of me. And, uh, very shortly after that, I had an uncle who committed suicide. And very, very shortly after that, his son, my cousin committed suicide as well. And in the midst of all this, um, I guess... Things got worse before they got better. It's usually how that works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it's never uh, fun, but it's usually almost well, always the case. Yeah, and, well, I was no exception to that rule. And uh, I, I, several years went by, and I was just unhappy with life. I was depressed. I was uh, basically a borderline alcoholic. Uh, you know, it it was pretty bad there for a while. What was a normal day for you when you say you're like borderline alcoholic? I mean, just like you get up in the morning and start drinking, or you just like um, drink in the evening? So no, you like get it, rid of stress. It would. I would drink in the evening. I wouldn't drink, uh, you know, in the morning, uh, before I got to work or anything. It was usually after I got home. But I would say it was more about the volume <laughs> rather than the span throughout the day. It was okay. more volume because uh, there was a point in my life where I was drinking a bottle of whiskey every night. And I'm not talking a little bottle of whiskey. Um, You're talking like the 175 with the handle? Basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, you, I'd say you're not that big of a guy. I mean, no, how, no. How, how big are you? Uh, I weigh about a buck 40 soaking wet. Yeah. So, I'm about, so that's a yeah. lot of alcohol. And mud, oh, and oh, yeah. mud on his feet. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you know, uh, I could... I could hang in there with the best of them, you know. There's, <laughs> there's that old Leonard Skinner song. He says, I drank enough whiskey to float a battleship around. <laughs> and that's pretty much how it went. Um, so, but, but, and I do want to say this. I don't know if she'll ever hear this or not, but my wife uh, was my saving grace. Okay. She is what saved my life so on multiple occasions. Um, but, uh, are you crying? I, <laughs> easy <Yeah. laughs> but uh hey, just because you yeah. can't show your emotions yeah, doesn't mean others yeah. can't all right i'm, Jeff? A, I'm a hard rock you're, you're broken down. inside all right but but no um it, it just got to a point where i was just unhappy i was unhappy with going to work every day i was unhappy well, what were you doing at the home. time uh, I was working for a family business. Um, I worked for my family business here in Worcester, Ohio. We drilled water wells for a living. Okay. Um, Hard work. It sucks, dude. And <laughs> not only did did we do that, but I was on the oldest piece of equipment there. And it's so obsolete that they quit making these drill rigs back in the 70s, if that tells you anything. <laughs> all right. The old guy I worked with, he was a 70-year-old salty bastard, and he has... He, he he was the best guy I've ever seen do it. Um, Not surprising. And and he, and we joke about him all the time, and we talk about him, and I always say his name, and we the make sh- up songs about him. And <laughs> the I, Shriver. Yeah, the Shriver. If you hear this, Kenny Shriver, you rock, dude. Which I doubt it. He'll ever hear this, but uh, a seven-year-old salty bastard is not listening to podcasts. No, no, sorry, no. I love him to death, and they're awesome, but yeah. they do not listen no, to podcasts. No, he probably doesn't even know what a podcast is. <laughs> that is very true. He probably thinks it's some fishing term. Yeah. <laughs> but he was—he was like my grandpa's fifth employee, and he. 
You know, I mean, he literally did this job for 40 years. 38 years was when I started becoming his helper, and he trained me on how to do this uh, when I switched to the residential division, which is where I was uh, working at people's homes every day. I was drilling uh, water wells for their homes so that way they could have water inside their house. Um, Before that, I did environmental, which is where we would uh, drill and install monitoring wells for, like, gas stations and factories and I mean, I've been to both NASA stations in Ohio. Okay. I've been to Ravenna Army Arsenal uh, drilling and basically looking for live unexploded ordnance. <laughs> yeah, that you want to talk about a white-knuckle job. Um, but what I loved about it, it, it was that there was so many cool things I got to go and see and do and experience and people I got to meet. And even people to this day that will still call me and say, hey, man, how you doing? And, you know, I hope things are going good. And. And all that kind of stuff. The worst part about it all is that while all these things were happening, I wasn't, my mind wasn't right. So I was. Just because you were going through your depression, you were trying to work things out. You've had a bunch of bad things happen in your life. Yeah. And the easiest way to deal with most of that is to not deal with it. Exactly. To drink your problems away or get into drugs. Oh, great. I mean, alcohol is a drug. Let's be honest. No, it is. It's it's, it's Uh, all drugs. Yeah. But but that's a pretty common thing. And unfortunately, in in a job like that, most of the old guys are salty bastards, and they've been yeah. doing it for a long time. And the young kids, like, they just Follow they, they, they come in, they work hard, they see what the old guys do, and they start drinking. Yeah. That's pretty normal. After a hard day's work, what do you do? Yeah. Go to the bar, have, have a couple a beer, of beers. Have a whiskey. Yeah, no mm-hmm. big deal, and it, it's no problem. But most people never get away from that. And some people become addicted to that. Oh, absolutely. And they essentially just go to work so they can drink after. Yeah. Right. So that way they can lie to themselves and say, hey... I don't have a problem. I'm not an alcoholic. This, this is, is okay. no big deal. Yeah, yeah, it's just we're just blowing off steam. It's a hard job. Yeah. We got to do it. It's no problem. So unfortunately, I know a bunch of people. No, I guess not a bunch of people. A handful of people who work in like manufacturing jobs. Oh yeah, and they just all they all they want to do is like go drive to the drive-through or what have you. Get that thirty pack. Yep. Go home, smoke that down, and yep. go into work drunk the next. Well, day. they yeah. they live for their Friday night. They live it's for not, their no, Saturday that's an night. everyday yeah. thing. I mean, to yeah. them, it's like they're not taking Friday. days off. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yes, an old friend yes. of mine and I used to work the same thing. Everybody used to call mate ball. He used to, you know, he was a wrench. And my first job was at Miller's, Ohio. Same thing. You know, he, he lived at Buckhorn. And what was so crazy about him, it's like, hey, Jack, where are you going tonight? He goes, I'm going to stop the drive through. It's a three-beer trip. <laughs> Every night. And yeah. you know, you know doggone well that when they got home. That's what they're doing. They're drinking. Yeah. 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 So. And it's, it's pretty common. So, yeah, that was... Um, uh, start where I, you see the I, rainbow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, in the midst of all this stuff, I realized that I was leading down some kind of self-destructive path, and that eventually I would tailspin, and that I would crash and burn, and that that would be all she wrote for me. Okay. Now, if you don't mind me asking, was there like a moment that this all came to you, or was it all your wife that had said, "Hey, dumbass, we got to fix some of this shit"? Like, or was there? Just like a bunch of things that kind of added up where like eventually you sat down and put all of the things together and was like, it, it, I got to do something different. It was a combination of all that. Okay. Um, there were a lot of little moments where people would point out or show to me, hey, you're being an idiot or hey, you're not handling this the right way, uh, especially my wife. I love you, sweetheart. Um, <laughs> but uh, I know... As weird as it may sound, I was in. I was taking a shower one day, and as I'm standing in the shower, I woke up that morning and I was pissed at the world. I 
I was hating life that day. And I I don't I don't even know what came over me. I I thought to myself, I'm like, "What are you so pissed off about? What are you truly upset about? You are a human being. You have a life. You have a good significant other. You have some you have people who care about you and people who want you to succeed, people who want you to be happy and feel better. And so I just that was it. That was it. So you just had like a moment in the shower yeah. where everything just kind of clicked. And then I decided and I was going to be lot happy. Of, it's a lot of little things that added up to that moment, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of things that led up to it. But ultimately, I had an epiphany in the shower. And then, and, and that was that was it. Now, and, now was it I, like an instant 180? Like you changed everything? Like you came around? Or was it like a long struggle to get out of the shit? Um, mentally, it was a flip of a switch. Okay. But... Um, there were a few things that I did struggle with, uh, specifically the alcohol. Um, I remember I had a birthday party one night and I, we drank massive amounts of alcohol, copious amounts that night. (laughs) And, uh, I, I was so drunk that I could not move and I do not condone this whatsoever. I couldn't move my vehicle 500 feet from where it was parked to my driveway. Which I didn't. I wouldn't have left the property that I was on. We were at a pond that's behind my grandparents' house, and growing up, that's where we partied and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I had to have my cousin give me a ride that night. I was obliterated, <laughs> and it, it, I was hungover for three days. And I promised myself I would never do it again. And from that moment on... No, no, never drink again or never get that drunk again? I would never allow myself to not have self-control when it comes to drinking. Okay. Period. Just Friday night, I had I had a whiskey with dinner. I had one. Yeah, how long ago was that before we, we met when you got that obliterated? Because I one thing that I can, I can say since him and I had met, and we'll go into that, but this young man has, from stuff he's told me about, it is. It's front and back difference. When we do go out, like we go to dinner, we take the wives out, and we have a drink. And that's it. Yeah. And so, half the time, he doesn't even finish it. You know, it's just getting that good taste or whatever it may be. But, yeah, that's why I was curious how long it was because um, all the things all the things he tells me, the stories he tells me, I'm like, you're so full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> because you don't see it. Yeah. And, and normally you would see that type of stuff if someone – had gone that path. So the, the turnaround that I see in this young man is unreal. So, well, to, to kind of caveat off of that, you know, my family, mm-hmm. we've known each other for our families have known each other for generations, yeah. uh, three generations, three generations. Exactly. Yep. So, you know what it was like for my dad and his brothers growing oh, up. Yeah. And so the stories I tell and the things I talk about are really not that far off kilter. Oh, no, from what they did, it's, it's almost like they one-up each other. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, if you look at it, at the grand scheme of things, even with all the problems that I had and, and all that, um, I'm pretty much a congressman compared to my dad and his brother when they were my age. And uh, if you ask anybody who knows my family, they'll pretty much tell you the same thing. Oh, yeah. So. Wild kid. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but, it, but, that, but either way, though, you made that switch in your mind. Yes. But. At that point, you were probably so addicted to alcohol to just stop. Probably would have been a problem. So you uh, probably had to kind of wean yourself off, I would assume. A little bit, yes and no. Part of it was I knew that there was going to be some suffering, but that's par for the course. 
That's what you that that is what I had to go through to make things better. You you don't get to the top of the mountain by getting dropped off by a helicopter and saying, "Oh man, I enjoy this view." You got to climb that mountain. Yeah, it's the journey. You have yeah. to beat that. You you have to, you know, there's there's something at the top there, and you have to acquire that. And the only way to get there is hard work and dedication. That's you just have to push yourself. What, human, what, what human, led you into the firearms end of it? Because that's really how we ended up. Here. Um, I. When I was working at Francis, I was just unhappy with life, you know, and you know mm-hmm. that. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, firearms was always a passion, something I loved doing. I remember my dad taking me shooting when I was just a kid, and I loved it. I enjoyed it, and it was just something I always wished I could do, do for a living, um, you know, shoot guns. Who doesn't want to do that for a job, you know? <laughs> it's pretty so, fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, by the time I was old enough to realize what the hell was going on in my life, you know, uh, one of the things, one of the only regrets I have in my life is I didn't sign up for the military, you know, and I know that I could still go, uh, and go do that and serve my country and stuff. How old are you now? 28. Okay. So how old were you when you were going through all this problems and like when you kind of, kind of flip, like you flipped your switch? Um, well, I was 19 when my mom died. Uh, Are we talking about a couple years after, like 21, 22? I was probably about 20, 24, 25 okay. when I realized that it was time for me to get my shit together. Okay. So um, so a, a few years had, had gone by. Yeah. You're kind of dealing with all that kind of your own yeah. way. And then, and then you, but, uh, you kind of flipped your switch, and now, now you're kind of like on the upward uh, bounds of, uh, oh, of yeah. all that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, my life is exponentially better compared to what it was back then. Okay. Um, but uh, – it, it was just something I always had a passion for, um, and I thought that... So, to wanting to join the military? Well, uh, the gun well, specifically, the firearm specifically, but the military, yes. Um, so, uh, the firearms is, is what really drew me into it. I wanted to be a gunsmith, is what I really wanted to do. I wanted to work on them, fix them, build them, create them, you know, build something. I wanted to build something with my hands, and uh, I thought that that would be a good way to do it. And so I did everything I could to get involved into the industry. Uh, I traveled. I took armor's courses um, as little as I could. You know, I saved every penny I had. Uh, I drove this beat-up old F-150. My wife and I, we shared one vehicle for almost six years because that was all we could afford because yeah. I was trying to save every penny. I walked to work every morning. You know, granted, I only live, you know, 600 feet from the front door. But <laughs> but when they have kids, it was four miles uphill both ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, it, the more I dove into it and the more I decided I want to do it, um, it just, it just kind of went from there. You know, I had some really good people in my life who gave me opportunities to pursue my goal in different ways. Okay. And uh, one of them led to me meeting jeff yeah and uh at that time let's let's get into that story man. how did all that work his uncle doug gave him a spot and he's got an incredible man garage i mean this would you agree with oh oh, it's it's this this place is freaking amazing how big this man garage is (laughs) but anyhow he had given him a spot to do his gunsmithing and he started doing. What was your original thing? Uh, my original company was called the Lead Dealer, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Lead Dealer Gunsmithing and Armory. Yeah. So, um, Doug, Doug had let him do that. I was at the gas station, and anybody around here knows, you know, the old Ports Petroleum. I was getting fuel. Doug came in on his Harley, 
And I was like, when did you get that, man? And he turned around and goes, hey, what's going on? And we just started talking. And he, he said, hey, are you still in law enforcement? And he goes, what are you doing now? And I said, well, I'm teaching, doing a lot of training and, and stuff like that. And he says, is there any way you would would uh, talk with my nephew? Because he is really into that type of stuff. And he really wants to make that a living. I was like, yeah, hell, hell yeah. Here's my card. You know, have him give me a buzz. And to be quite honest, I didn't know if I'd hear from him or not. You know, because, uh, you know, you get stuck in that family business. Well, it's, and... it's not even just that. Is you hear that thing a lot. Like, oh, oh we're yeah. starting this and we're doing that. And somebody's yeah. not really serious about it. So right. they don't do the work that it takes to actually make something work. Yeah, it was it was maybe a day later I heard from him. and goes, hey, this is Ethan Frost. My Uncle Doug told me I could call you. <laughs> and and uh, so we, we sat down. And, I mean, it was an instant chemistry. And uh, I was still working with Ed. Ed and I still had the thing down in Danville, Ohio at the time. And uh, it's funny how things step-by-step step happen. You know, Ed had that terrible accident with a fire, uh, a rifle that blew up in his face, and he was just done. You know, sold everything, sold the range, sold the property, moved out to Arizona, which I know he's, he's out shooting again now because good. the la- last time I talked to him, he said, I've got six ranges within a half hour. Good, house. good. I'm so, glad he's still shooting. Yeah, he's, he's an incredible individual like we've talked about before. But uh, that just kind of opened the door, and, and Ethan and I hooked up, and, and we started doing uh, – classes together and, and and he's an incredible student as well you know just you know how you and i always talk about i'm a student my whole life you have to be yeah you can't ever know everything yeah if you so, think you do you're full y- of shit yeah like, get, yeah, get, get out, out of, of it yeah, yeah get out of the business because mm-hmm. you're going to get hurt killed or or get someone else hurt or killed yeah. so so he we have the same outlook on stuff that we are students of the game and our lives this is how we live them to be the best that we can be and continue to learn so, but that's really how we met and it, it's just grown into, you know, we now have a brick and mortar store, which we talked about the last time we were here, uh, or last time I was here, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it just, it's continuing to grow. So and, what, what was the original arrangement when you guys first reached out? Were you trying to do gunsmithing and stuff for some of the people? He, he'd actually gone and gotten his, uh, NRA instructor certificate and okay. him and another friend of his, uh, were doing classes. Yeah. Steve and, and I were teaching. Yep. And uh, when I, that day I made that phone call to Jeff, I basically just asked him, I said, hey man, would you come audit a class for me? Basically just sit in, tell me what you think, tell me how I'm doing. You know, you've been doing this for a hell of a lot longer than me. You know, I'm finding another old salty bastard that I can kind of <laughs> cling to. Yeah. And uh, I started when he was born, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I just knew that if I, if I did well, if I felt like I was doing well, it was time for me to start asking questions because I knew I could push myself to do even better. And so Steve and I were teaching. Uh, Jeff came and audited a, a class for me, uh, us, I should say. Yeah, and, and, and they uh, were right on. I mean, they were doing very well. I mean, I, I don't think we really changed a whole lot. No. We did um, implement some even, of the stuff that we put in. Even but. to this day, uh, the a lot of the information we teach is still almost the same as when Jeff and I Right. We met for the very first time, and uh, yeah. um, they just, were one of the few a... guys that actually did. They did a nice job. Like I said, we we only implemented a few things that. Uh, oh yeah, we we should have been doing. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we should have been doing that. But for the most part, it's it's still like he said, it's still the same. Yeah. Same program we're running from from then. Okay. You know. So, so. but yeah, I mean, it was basically. I don't. I I want to call it a happy accident because. I feel like as though once he came and checked out that class, I mean, I can't remember a time where we weren't working together after that. Yeah. Um, at all. At all. How long ago was that? 
three years ago. Three years ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah roughly yeah. three years ago. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's and it's been great since. I mean, it's like I said, it's fun to come to work because one, we're doing what we love, but it's even fun, even more fun when the guy that comes to work with you, your partner, everybody's got that same end goal. You know, everybody's looking at that same end of the tunnel, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. It's like, Hey, and, and everybody does what they need to do to make it work. So it's, it's a good, it's a good, uh, good team. Yeah. It's, it's all about the hustle, man. I <laughs> love, sure. I love the hustle and grind, dude. Uh, I have a t-shirt, uh, made by a company called Jekyll and Hyde. They're like a weightlifting company or whatever. And the shirt says, I'm uh, motivated by the uh, fear of being average. I love that. I yep. love that. I, I, that is something I think about almost every day. I am motivated by the fear of being average. I, I can't. I can't. I just can't. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's funny how all the different things that we see, the sayings and stuff like that, like that one that he has the fear of being average. And then there's another one that you see guys have tattooed on their hands about success is never owned. It, it's, it's something you rent and rent is due every day. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So that's, you know, that's the philosophy we live by. So it's okay. good stuff. I mean, so, so how did things like kick off then when you guys, so you guys first met, sat in Ethan's class, kind of told him all the things he was doing right, because obviously a lot of that, and then right. how to kind of fix things, and then how did you guys get into being partners and kind of moving forward with all that? Just listening to what he wanted to do was really, from what I was hearing, was exactly what I wanted to do. And and, uh, and so, and so at that point, you were kind of in between, because Ed was kind of like getting out of things, sure. so you were like looking for something new. Obviously. Yeah, I was actually really trying to get in full-time at Fletzy, uh, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, um, which is it's like pulling teeth with out Novocaine, you know, it's something that if you do get into it, man, go, go whole headed, you know, full head of steam and, and get it. But to get in there, it's quite difficult. And, uh, and again, I, you know, not to jump on a soapbox and be religious or anything like that. I really think that our, we have a, a set plan of our lives and Ethan and I, we, we started teaching classes together and then I was still reaching out to my students before because I, I, I owned the website that Ed and I had before. And, uh, I would still send out stuff. We would, you know, use other people's ranges, um, hooked up with Sylvester Potius down in, uh, in, in Fredericktown at East group, who's now one of our affiliate, you know, ranges, uh, great individual too. Yeah. He's awesome. I mean, another salty bastard, another salty bastard. Yeah. And he, he's like 10 years older than I am, but we, we, we have, we all have that same, same end game. You know, I mean, when you train with Sly, it's, it's for real, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I was doing that, still teaching classes. They started, hey, can we come to the level one class and how much is it? And I was like, eh, I'm not going to charge you. you come come and learn. You know, it, it's cool to see you guys wanting to learn. So they started doing pistol classes, uh, carbine classes. And and uh, I think Ethan and I were, weren't we going to lunch or something? We saw the building that was that we're in now. I don't or, remember uh, what the hell we were doing. Probably. We were doing something, but we went past and it was, you know, it was an old business that, that had already had an FFL there and the, the place was for, for lease. And I was like, Ethan, we got to get a hold of that guy. So we called right that time and made an appointment to see it that day. And we were about a year ahead of schedule because we had talked about, we need to get a brick and mortar store. So one, we can do retail so that we can have daily sales as well as something yeah, we, with a classroom, a classroom. We found that on a Wednesday. Yeah. Called him that night. And had an appointment scheduled to go see it Thursday. Yeah. And, and while we were there, he told us, he goes, well, I have somebody who's coming to look at this building tomorrow. And he goes, she's pretty well interested in taking it. 
And we basically turned around and was like, here's your check, man. Don't <laughs> tell her not to even bother. Yeah. You know? And yeah, so, we signed the check that night. Yeah, that night we, we stroked a check there for him. Yeah, and how much of that's real and how much is that him just wanting to get rid of the Well, space? I, I yeah, mean, who, it doesn't matter to me because, like, him and I talked about, you know, the biggest reason I was really ready to make that leap of faith was the simple fact that it, the building had already been approved for an FFL. Yeah. We didn't have to do anything. You know, normally you get a building and stuff, and they'll come in and say, well, you need to do this to the windows. You need to do that. you got to have this, this, that. And, yeah, I mean, it's – Just for whole, security purposes. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so it, it's a whole rigmarole. This place had already been approved, and, and that was one of the first things we said. It's like, well, you ready? Yep. It's like, Jump. Not, not really, but <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. You're only going to get wet once, man. <laughs> Jump in. So, well, I mean, we only get one opportunity, Yeah. you know, for all this. Uh to make this happen we get one go around in this life and there's no there's no you can't not do it you have to dive in with both feet I yeah mean, if you have a passion for something and, and, and yeah, like, a, like, I, like i tell everybody we're really starting to gain traction we're real tickled with it and i think people are starting to understand the fact that if i'm going to carry a firearm i need to know how to use it it's not just that eight hour class um it changes your life yeah it does it sure does well, if it doesn't, it's kind of irresponsible on your part. Let's oh, absolutely. Yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Because yeah. I'm sure for a lot of people, it just doesn't. I'm sure like, most people that go, they get their license, no. they think they're all good to go, those and are, they, they throw a yeah. gun on their hip or in their purse, and they run out the door. Like, that those is are the pe- not Those good. are the people that just, I, it's so frustrating to me because it's like, I, and I pray for them, you know, that, that nothing ever gets in their way that they make a stupid decision. Well, I, I more pray that the, that they don't get into a situation <laughs> where they think they're going to be law enforcement. Right. And stop a robbery or do this or right, that. Yeah. Like, that become is not hero. your job. Yeah, become the hero. That is there to protect yourself. That's it. Yeah. You are not the police. Like, no, that's what we, and we, we talk about that all the time about, you know, don't be a hero. Unless you know 150% of what's going on, stay the hell out of it. I mean, and, and for a lot of people that are – you know, certain types of personalities that that's very difficult. To, oh, yeah. To see somebody getting beat on and not know. And not want to jump in. And you well, know, because I think we all view ourselves as, quote unquote, protectors. Yeah. You know, we want to do the right thing, uh, at least for the most part. M- most of the people who carry a gun probably have good intentions of I want to protect people. I, I don't want anything bad to happen to me or my family or other people. But they let that mentality get the best of them. They don't understand that, that the best thing that you can do for yourself and your family is sometimes walk away from a situation. Yeah, survive. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. The survivability comes into play. And so I think that's where people feel as though because they carry a gun, that makes them Clint Eastwood. <laughs> that makes them Dirty Harry. They, you know, that, dirty. That, that, they, <laughs> so dirty. Dirty. But uh, just so that they can... Be the hero, be the boss, and that's yeah. It's a not good way less... to get someone, someone or yourself killed. You know, that's very or true. An innocent person. You know, I'm yeah. not so Which worried is more about the bad the guy. Case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's definitely more likely the case is someone innocent getting hurt. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I will say, and I don't, I don't want to uh, discredit anybody out there who's listening, but I, I will say this: I, I do think in the majority of everything, if you look at the numbers. More people are actually saved by private firearm ownership and, and people who conceal carry than people who are hurt because of the negligence of people who conceal carry. At least from the, the things that I see. Again, I could be wrong. You know, don't, I'm not, 
I'm not quoting. Well, the bad part is we don't statistics. get to we don't get to see everything. exactly exactly. You get to see the happy endings. Well, the, shit, what's but. what's worse though is all those things are always kind of skewed. Oh, absolutely. To be yes. in, in the way of the, the what the media wants them yep, to be. Absolutely. So like you're never going to see the real numbers. It's never all just the data. Here are the facts. Here's the truth. It's not that. It's right. oh, this is a problem. And like you know, CHL people are shooting everybody. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh my yeah. god. Or oh, they're saving all these lives. Look at these like, well, three cases that happened. Like right. oh, stop. Yeah. Give us the actual truth, the, the real data. Yeah, the fact yeah. is, is we're not going to get the real truth. Never going to happen. Yeah, never going to happen. Never going to happen. No, no. But what we preach, like like we say all the time, is like you can't be your last day of training is when you get your concealed handgun license. That cannot be your last day of training. No, that's, that's not, even, if it is, not even a great first day of yeah, training, yeah. unless it's with somebody <laughs> yeah. like you guys yeah. who do the class right. Let's well, we're realized. biased. We're biased. No, no, you don't need to be biased. It's yeah. just true. Yeah, I, I, I feel that way as well. Um, I, we'll put our training against anybody's. Because yeah. like, it doesn't I mean, obviously happen to have to be with you guys. Like that, right. that's, that's irrelevant. Uh, no, but that's, it needs to be someone who trains the way that you guys do, thinks the way you guys do. Yeah. No, we, we tell that to everybody. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, obviously we're doing it for our living. That's how we make, that's how we put bread on our table. That's, that's what we do. But there are so many guys out there and again, no disrespect to them, but they, they get a certificate that they're an instructor and now all of a sudden they're God's gift to yeah. gunfighting or whatever. And it's like, that's their last day of training because now they're busy teaching everybody else what they think they know. Yeah. And unless you've been there, done that for, you know. 10, 15, 20, 25 years, 30 years, you know, and did it on a daily basis, you know, what are you learning? What truly are you learning? You're learning what somebody's regurgitating because it's what they learned in their class as an instructor. And that's all they do. Yeah. I can't tell you how many different things have evolved in my life from back in the early 90s until now. And it still continues to evolve. I still learn. And that's what people need to do. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the biggest problems is people let their egos uh, dictate. Well, well, I'm I'm good enough. I'm an instructor. You know, okay. Well, uh, how many hours did you spend as a student? Because I don't believe that there's any experts or masters of this. There are only people who have been students longer than others. There's no experts. There's no masters. Just people who remain a student and will be a student until the day that they perish from this earth. I mean, it's kind of like the old analogy. You have like the the guy who's been on the job for thirty years. He's like, oh, I've got thirty years experience. Like, nope, not really. Right. You've got like one or two years experience, like you know, thirty or yes. fifteen times. Like that. That's yeah. it. You're just doing the same thing over and over right. and over again. You got to be growing, learning, pushing yourself. Yeah. That's the whole idea. Yeah, get out of that box. Yeah. Get out of your comfort zone, and and that's what that's where you learn. That's where you learn. Yeah, you can't go in and do the same things over and over and over again. So oh, I've got thirty years experience. Like, well, not really. Yeah, you, you just got that same one year like yeah, yeah, thirty yeah. times. Like, that's <laughs> it, dude. And that—that's for sure. It's, I mean, it's that's, very true. That's one of the things. Like, I—I I know I babble about this. I'm—I'm I'm super jacked about OTOA this year. I'm doing a three-day counterterrorism course, and it's like, man, this is going to be so great. Like, yeah. what are you going to use it for? I don't know, but it's going to be great. Yeah, because <laughs> you'll find ways to implement that into your absolutely. training or into your classes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. Well, no, and, and you just have to continue to push yourself and grow. And this comes back to that first salty bastard Kenny Shriver I ever met in my life. And when when I was drilling, when I was doing the drilling thing, that man, he did not know the word no. It was not in his vocabulary, okay? When we, when we showed up that morning, you know, we're like, hey, what's the job today? He's like, oh, we got to go through the roof of a house, through their kitchen, into their basement, and clean the well. <laughs> well, 
okay, how are we doing this, dude? Because this doesn't even sound like it works, you know? <laughs> and But he did. I mean, I have pictures I can show you of that specific job. And that wasn't the only time we did stuff like that. We we did that. Or we did the same thing around the corner of a house to where I'm controlling the actual tooling part of it. And he's controlling the handles, you know, the controls of the machinery. And basically, I'm yelling at him, okay, let it down, let it down, you know, or take it up, or whatever that I'm doing. And I, I, that man did not have the word no in his vocabulary. Or can't be done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, he just. I've seen the pictures, that's why I say that. <laughs> he, he showed me one of that artesian well that I was like, how the hell did you guys do that? He goes, well, Shriver said this, this, and this. <laughs> it's like, but, oh my God. And, and so I think about that when I apply myself as a student. What would Kenny Shriver do? <laughs> and, and you know, he 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 would do it. He would just get it done. It didn't matter how he got it done. It didn't matter how bad it sucked. It didn't matter how bad he wanted to bitch and cry about it. He got the job done. Right. Period. He what did a whatever great teacher it took. that is. Yeah, right? and whatever. I mean, in all aspects of life. But but that's and that's the thing. I can apply that to so much of my life. Whether that's a financial situation, whether that's my physical well being. Whether that's my training as an instructor, you know, uh, continuing to be that student, don't have no in your vocabulary. Be a Kenny Shriver, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just you, you have to have that mentality. I don't know if you have to have it. I mean, obviously, it's it's better to have that. Sure. Uh, but most people probably never have an example like that in their lives. No. I mean, they just don't, especially kids nowadays. Yeah. Who are just raised by electronics yeah, they don't even oh have God. any like human interaction with someone i mean look, look at kids nowadays like, they can't be away from a phone or a tablet or something else i mean just the other day i saw some little kid in a panera bread i was i was there using the wi-fi i was i think i was doing some work or looking at some videos or doing something i don't remember exactly so i was like set up back in the corner where i can see the whole room because i'm yep. weird right you, you guys know that's tactically yeah, sound yeah. you yeah. guys know how this works <laughs> most people think i'm weird it's all right that's and, a, yeah. and i see this little kid come in and he must have been i don't know four or five years old and and he's never had a kenny shriver in his life yeah you know what right. i mean and he was bitching and moaning because he didn't have a screen right in front of his face so his mom to shut him up just gave him something and i'm like you're not teaching that kid anything no. this is bad no. you yeah, gotta it's... you gotta teach them these kind of things you gotta tell them Hey, guess what? It's gonna suck. We gotta work hard, and there's yeah, it looks impossible. We'll and it's funny how, it how crazy our country is right now because of that shit. I mean, well, there it just blows my mind. There's how, a, how these young millennials. <laughs> you're, why'd you why'd yeah, you look careful? Okay, because, hey, hey, hey. because you're the the rarity in this whole thing. Well, that's well, there's so whenever few. You're done. Yeah, there's so few people that have had something like that because they're they're all. I mean. My youngest daughter had a boyfriend that they got a flat tire, and it's two o'clock in the morning. They're calling me. Um, he doesn't know how to change a tire, Dad. Where are you guys at? Well, first of all, <laughs> she should have been able to change it. She well, she tried to, and he wouldn't let her. Well, tough shit. Well, I, yeah, I like, get that too. Like I told her slap the hell out of him. Just because she's more of a man than he is. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So like th that's something yeah. like I won't let my daughter get her license until she knows how to change the oil, yeah, change absolutely. the tire, absolutely. and use jumper cables. Because yep, those are normal things that happen with vehicles. That you may need to do. And guess what? You need to know how. Yeah. So. I bought my first motorcycle. 
and we're standing in the garage with my dad. And he kicked the <laughs> kickstand out from underneath it and laid it on his side. And he goes, you are not allowed to ride this bike until you can pick that up on your own. And I said, well, why is that? He goes, what happens if you're riding down the road and you dump it by yourself? I said, well, okay, fair enough. You know, I <laughs> shit, you know, start doing squats, man. You know, time to bulk up so I can pick this bike up. Yeah, that bike probably weighed six times more than you did. <laughs> well, I got it up. I got it up. First try. First try. I'm going to get to 145 pounds, damn it. Yeah, yeah, damn it. Yeah, that's right. I put this brick in my pocket. Uh, but that's, I feel, I, I feel somewhat guilty when we talk about the whole millennial thing. Because I'm just old enough that I still remember going out and playing until the street lights came on or drinking out of the garden hose, or not spending my entire Saturday in front of a TV or a screen. I remember when not being allowed to go outside was a fucking punishment. It was a punishment. Yeah, yeah. absolutely it was. Say, so you want to punish me, you put me in my bedroom and lock the door and let me stare out the window and know that I can't be out there. You know, that's what bothered me. But I'm still young enough to where when I was 16, I had a cell phone. You know, I I, I transitioned from a child to an adult in that era, you know, so I feel guilty because I have guys who are older than me who, you know, the generation above me, if you will, you know, oh, you kids don't know what it's like, you know, and, you know, the whole up uphill both, you know, both ways kind of deal. <laughs> but I still remember what it was like to not have this kind of stuff and live my life that way. And I feel bad for kids nowadays. I feel oh, it, bad you, for them. You shouldn't feel bad for them because they don't know any different. Obviously, I mean this. This to me it's what is what they're taught. This to me is a fault of the parents. Absolutely, and and this is usually how it goes. I mean, look, look at uh, what is it? Uh, Generation X. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. most of them got coddled essentially because their parents, you know, were were parent like had their parents were like the baby boomers, like a, mm-hmm. not baby boomers, um, a greatest generation, like all the World War Two vets. Yeah. They were hard people. Oh yeah, grew up during the Depression. That's during when the war. men were men. Yeah, like, <laughs> we, we had eighteen-year-old men storming the north, like yeah, like, yeah, and they were carrying the they the were Normandy. carrying twenty-pound weapon systems, you know. And yeah. now it's it's now it's like lighter's better, and it's like listen, you pussies, get <laughs> get that big yeah. gun out. But, but, but these are people that went to fight for someone else's freedom, and right. and, and went to p- put their lives in the line, and they signed up for it. Right, they were excited to go. Oh, cause, absolutely, because they saw, lied about their age just so they could go. They saw the cause, and there were more people who committed suicide because they couldn't go. Yeah. Than, than vice versa. Nowadays, right. you'd get kids of, if if they were, if there was like a big outbreak with Russia or Korea or China or somebody, oh, yeah. and, and they and they enlisted a draft or something, you get a bunch of people like, oh my god, I've got PTSD, so I can't go, and I've got right. these problems, and oh my god, look at me, well, they even, wouldn't want to go. Oh, even the assholes over the election, they got PD, PTSD because their candidate win. Oh, that, that's you, you out of your fucking mind. That's just because people are soft. It's way, just, it's ridiculous. Way. <laughs> grow, grow a spine. Yeah, yep. absolutely. You know, is, this is this They're is jellyfish. <laughs> but, but if you look at that, that's normally how this goes, though. So you got like a really hard generation, right. Who raises their kids, and then they were like the ba- the baby boomers, like I'm not going to raise my kids like that. So they were super lenient on right. the Gen X, and then so it's it's kind of like a pendulum swing. It's like it swings yeah. one way, and like it's a little too far one way, and then we go, okay, we're swinging too back, far the other way. So, so we'll, we'll kind of find its way back, and we're definitely way yeah, we're way on the other right side. Now. Yeah. From the greatest generation, but people are just—they don't—they don't raise their kids to do anything. It's—it's it's scary. You know, it's funny you say that because my oldest daughter is now thirty, and uh, I got a phone call from her, and this is you know ten, twelve years ago, 
um, when she was just turning into her twenties and she had a job and she, you know, they, they absolutely loved her. They, they promoted her, promoted her, promoted her. And, and, uh, she actually called me and, and thanked me for being, because I, growing up, I was the asshole. Yeah. You know, mom never wanted to deal with it. I always did. And it's because of the way I was taught and the baby boomers, my parents that were taught <laughs> by their generation, you know, the, the generation we're talking about, the World War II guys, I, it just follows down, but it's getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. The people that actually take pride in what their kids are doing and learning to a trade or learning how to work hard or learning not to have a phone up their ass every single day. Yeah. And she called and thanked me for being so hard on her. Yeah. And I mean, talk about having your heart ripped out by your, your eldest, you know, but it was, it, it kind of validated that, well, maybe I did the right thing. You know, at, at 11 years old, she learned how to do dishes, you know, or, or, you know, made sure her room was clean, you know, yeah. herself. And you not... need to be able to cook food for the family. Yeah, absolutely. You need to be able to do laundry. Absolutely. You've got to do these. And guess what? You're not getting paid for that stuff around the house. You know why? You live here. Right. Yeah. We need to work. <laughs> this is a household. We yeah, all right. work together. This is how it works. Yep. And I remember being like about that same age when I called my mom and I was like, I thought you guys were really mean growing up, and I thought this was horrible. But and, talk about preparedness, right? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, I've got such a leg up on everybody yeah. else in my generation, because I tend to hang out with people older than me, right? because I don't get along with the typical millennials. Yeah, I it's just funny don't. you say that, because I, growing up, I was the same way. You know, I was always friends with my brother's friends. I, I yeah. think I, I can count my friends my age on one hand, and guys that I graduate, like Butler, you know, Mike. Oh, yeah. You know, Mike D- Mikey B, <laughs> shout out. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, him and, and he grew up the way we did. Like his father and my father were in the military together, you know. So it, it, that that type of thing, very few friends my age. I was always with the older guys because I just, yeah. there's too many guys my age that I just don't see eye to eye with. Exactly. And, I, and so. I'm a lot like you, Ethan. Like where I grew up playing outside, we were always playing yeah. sports, doing stuff, playing in the woods, building forts, doing that yeah, all yeah. stuff. Like I didn't have a cell phone until I was in college because yeah. I was three hours away driving home every weekend because I had a wife and daughter at home. Like I'm hustling, doing my thing, yeah. we're working. And it's like I needed to have a phone to communicate with my family. Like I, I needed but one. It was a need, not a yeah. want. I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't really want it. I didn't really care. Yeah, I can't tell you yeah. how many times I'd like to zip mine right out the window, but I, I can't because of all my work on it's it. It's business. It, yeah, it's all business. It really, truly is business. Yeah, like and, it, and it's convenience, and it's meant to make our lives better, and it really can. But most people let it ruin them. Yeah, I, I agree. don't understand why I'm because I drive a lot. I drive you know, up, up north to work, and yeah. I drive over to Canton for the gym, and I, right. I'm, I'm always driving. You right. know, so I'm always listening to podcasts and trying to learn sure. and trying to make make use of my time. And sure. Like I always tell people, like it's kind of been my secret weapon right. the last decade because I've I've got two hours of learning time built into my day just driving to well, and from work. Right. One of the biggest things that bothers me with today today's people, if you will, uh, I don't know if I'm saying you that. can't really if say that's that politically the, the people correct. today. It's yeah. more the mentality yeah. of okay, the okay, yeah. yeah. Um, Pete, there's so much ignorance. So many people who choose to live uneducated, I guess, if yes. you will. You, but every single one of those people has a damn smartphone, but the phone is smarter than they are. Oh, yeah. You know, you have a computer. You have information that spans across the globe and beyond at, at your fingertips. How can you not use that to educate yourself or to use that in some way, shape, or form to make your life better? 
Yeah, what's you know, amazing other is than the convenience factor. Yeah, there, there's more data that has been downloaded or available at our fingertips in the last 10 years than any other time in history. Yes, but I'll go ahead and argue the fact that that data is useless. Because what do most people do with their cell phones? They waste it. Right. Like, that's all they do. They waste time looking at Facebook, looking at no, Twitter, you're absolutely looking at right. Instagram. They're just... They're, they're trying to get that little dopamine hit of like, oh, yeah. who likes my video? And, <laughs> well, oh, I'm going to yeah, send how these. How many likes did I get? Yeah, oh, I'm, do I got the duck lips? <laughs> I'm going to send these bunny ear pictures to my friends. And like, who gives well, a shit? Say, I've yeah. got 10 Zeta bites of that. It's probably Pornhub, too. Yeah. You know? I mean, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. People are never going to get away from that kind of stuff because most people, I hate to say, are probably very sexually frustrated in their lives. Yes, sure. Th- th- we live in a time where it's taboo. We're not allowed to talk about sex. Like, hmm. why the hell not? Like, I should be able to go to work, talk to a coworker about sex. Now, well, no, you're going to get in jail. Now, now, <laughs> now, having said that, I don't want to know anything about what they like, what them and their right, partner yeah. likes, their sexual preference. Right. Like, I could care less. But we Ew. should, but we, <laughs> we should be able to talk about the subject. Like, sex is a wonderful, beautiful thing that I believe is meant for two people who love each other. Sure, and you're supposed to grow yeah. together in an intimate moment. Like, Absolutely, I, that's what sex but is supposed who, to be about. Who told you you weren't allowed to do that? Well, I, I kind of blame religion most of the time because really? it, it becomes like this big taboo thing. Oh, we can't talk about this because it's that's just funny. A, they promoted it in our religion. <laughs> well, yes, but that's only between husband and wife and for right. procreation of children. It's not meant to. Uh, that's not what we were taught. From, you know, from maybe we the, were a little bit more. From all the churches that I've ever been to, yeah. it's never been about growing your relationship with your loved one. And it's not even been about, you know, ex- exploring what that means in your life. I mean, I know, granted, I'm not. A proponent of people going out and sleeping around and doing all right, that kind right, of stuff, right. like the whole Tinder idea, like meeting yeah, some random, meeting yeah, some not, random person online love. to get yeah. together and hook up. Like, no, granted, they're adults if they want to be safe and be protected and go have fun. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, whatever, that's right. their choice. I don't believe that's a healthy way to live, and I think that stems from other problems in their life, whether they were abused or neglected by their parents or had an alcoholic father. Yeah, whatever. The... That happens to a lot of women. Oh, absolutely. And then they go for the bad boys and they, and they want to just run right. through them and they're always having sex. And it, it, to me, it's crazy. And to now, like these kids nowadays, like kids are age, let's yeah. be honest. Like they say, oh, well, on the third date, you need to be having sex. Otherwise, they're not interested. You're like, whoa. Yeah, wrong. <laughs> you need to... Build a relationship. You need yeah. to So you're learn. two dates behind, buddy. You need to... <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, smart ass. Yeah. Yeah, like, you need to learn like who someone is to let... Because that is such an intimate, vulnerable moment in your life. You can't just do that with random people. It's going to lead to major problems sure. that these kids aren't going to deal with. Well, I, and, and I think when people have sex with one another, whether it's for procreation or whether it's for pure pleasure... You're attached to that person for the rest of your life, yeah. whether we realize it or not. Um, you share a part of that person's soul, if you will. Um, I, I completely I just, agree with that. You know, I, I mean, maybe not everybody feels the same way or feels or receives that feeling but, in the same way. But, but, but that might be just because they're suppressing their actual desires because they've had maybe like an abusive childhood or there's other problems yeah, yeah. that they're not dealing with, so they don't well, realize people don't, it. People don't talk enough. And I mean like really talk or communicate. They text all the time, but... That's not communication. That's not communication. It's that's just exactly not, right. That's what was, I'm saying. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they said that over 80% of all language is nonverbal. 
which is why texting and emails are so horrible. Right. They're mm-hmm. a necessity, and I get it. We've got busy lives, so it's easy to shoot a quick texter here and there, and that's fine. But if right. that's your main means of communication with someone, yeah, you're sad. missing so much. Oh, absolutely yeah. you are. Absolutely you are. And that's that's exactly what we're talking about. Like, the, the, the technology has, has in ways helped enhance life, but in other ways it's, it's destroyed it. Well, well, again, it, it's, it's just a tool. Correct. It's how you use it. Correct. Well, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's no different than alcohol. You yeah. can abuse that kind of thing. Yes. You know, and, and that's when I, to back up a little bit, when I said people need, or you, you slightly disagreed with me at the end of what I said about technology there. And, and I just meant it in a metaphysical manner, not so much like li- literally, you know, people allow them, uh, they let it ruin them. Yes. You know, they abuse that kind of thing to where it's to the point where the benefit in it is, is almost gone now because they've allowed themselves to get sucked into it so much, like the Facebook, the Instagram, Twitter, you know, Tinder, blah, 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 blah. They allow that to consume that instead of using that tool for what you you know, all these other things that you could be using it for. You know, um, one of the things I try to push myself to do, uh, excuse me, is read a book every night. I, I read on my phone. I have probably 50 books downloaded on my phone. And I, I try to read every night, you know. I mean, it's kind of hard to read an actual book in the dark, so I use my phone because my wife is... They have, they have lights. You, know, you can turn the lights on. But... <laughs> but uh, well, with my wife sweeping next to me, I can actually turn my phone on to where the screen is black and the words are white. Okay. So, so it's can... not as bright. Yeah. So instead of having like this bright white light, she's like punching me. She's like, I got to go to sleep. Damn it. <laughs> but uh, so I try. It, it, you can do so much. You know, if I have any question about anything, I can't even remember. We had a debate on something the other day down at the shop. And I don't even remember what we were talking about. There was three or four of us all standing around just chopping it up. And he, we made a comment or something. Oh, it was about uh, what the hell is that song? Uh, Houses of the Rising Sun by yeah, Five Finger Death original. Punch. And we're like, man, who who sang the original song? Who who wrote this song? Who who made this material? Yeah. And and we looked it up and we we're like, oh wow, that's that from song 1934. Was, yeah, th- that song was originally wrote in 1934. And it was made popular by the animals in 1967, That's right. and then redone again in like 2000 and something whatever. another yeah. by Five Finger Death Punch. Well, everybody's under the impression that the animals were the original yeah. artists on it, which it usually wasn't. isn't it was, the case. No, it was no. it was crazy. It was it was we had 1934. But <laughs> I mean, crazy. you can't tell me that that. that Let's be realistic here. That piece of information, we other than for pure, known. other than for pure enjoyment and conversation, nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. It doesn't. Gonna, it's not going to change anything in my life. No, it doesn't. But you can still do that. You can still find that information. Imagine what you could do if you had massive amounts of information that you could apply, or that you could learn or use to learn. Yes, yeah, I mean, you. And before the phones and stuff, I just go to my dad. I mean, he was the king of useless fucking information. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not shitting you. It'd be it'd been well, like that song. Yeah, Dad, who originally wrote that? That would have been 1934. It was a download of it. And now would, you ask he, me, he would know that. Yeah, now I'm always like, hey, who who the hell sings that song? <laughs> but that's something I try to do. I mean, uh, he's always asking me questions. I have no idea what the answer is. 
And I enjoy that. I love that he does that because I just get to expand the amount of knowledge that I have. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, well, shit, I didn't know that. I guess yeah. I'll go look it up. Yeah, let's figure it out. Now I'm Googling. I'm. And what's cool about that is it creates a conversation between us, not texting between us. Yeah. But it creates more conversation. Exactly. Where it's it's actual humanity of Uncensored. Uncensored humanity. I know you guys got to get going here pretty soon, but let, let's kind of get back on track. We kind of yeah, got, yeah, yeah, got going up on. there with porn and sex and all yeah, that kind of stuff. You know, that's the good hot, stuff. That's a hot topic. For <laughs> yeah, me. I'll be right back. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> that to me is, again, it's, it's ludicrous why we can't just have open discussions. Oh, absolutely about this. it is. It's, it's crazy. Let's be adults, people. Chill yeah, out. Yeah. It's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Fr- stop freaking out. But I think that the reason why lots of people download these useless things on their phone is the fact that they're they're missing other things in their lives. Yes. Because, oh, yeah. they, because they don't have the face-to-face communication. They, they don't have a relationship where they're really trying to grow and learn and love together. There's just like, oh, well, we're in love right now. And then two years later, like, oh, we're not in love anymore. So we're, I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna run away to somebody new because I got this new lovey feeling. Yeah. Like, no, no, like relationships are hard. And you got to like work at them. You got to oh, grow absolutely. and learn and get better and communicate. And guess what? You're going to argue and fight sometimes. Well, that, oh, yeah, that's, that's okay. all part of it. Yeah, all you see is the positive. Yes. Yep. You know, uh, specifically with technology and the way Again, like you said, the way we use it, you use it for that dopamine yes. rush. Yes, and I really think that's that. the case. But we we can take that back to it's become a lot of people's new drug. Yes, and I think we can tie that back into like you being like a borderline alcoholic, and where you were you were using that to get away from the struggles in your yes. real life. Whereas okay. I think a lot of people nowadays are they're not trying to get away from the struggle maybe so much of their real life because they didn't probably witness a lot of the bad things that you've seen in yep. your life. People. But, People suffer, whether they watched their parent pass away, whether they, you know, went to combat, came back home and are learning how to live with it, or whether their dog died or whether they lost their job. Suffering is all the same. Yes. I don't think that there's, I I don't think that just because of what I went through, that makes it any worse or any better than anything that anybody else has ever experienced. Well, it's not because there's, there's so many people that have been through such worse things. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. What's what's the old analogy, right? If you take your problems, write it down in like a big group of people, throw it into a hat and just draw like somebody else's random problems out of that. You'd wish for years back. Yeah. absolutely. It's like people are dealing with some crazy shit. Yep. So, so you, so you're right. It's, It's not just the. The fact that anybody doesn't have problems, we all have problems, yeah. but they're just dealing with it in a wrong way, I think. Yes. But I also want to use that moment to kind of come back and commend you for being able to kick like the alcohol thing, but still be able to responsibly consume it now, like years later. And I, that is such a huge thing. I don't know if you know how big that really is. Yeah, so, I, don't think he, I don't think he does. Uh, no. Because like I said, I watched th- th- this. He's an incredible young man. No, I, I do. I do. But I don't, I don't make, I, I guess I, you I don't, don't want to sound facetious when I say it. I don't want to make a show of it. I it, get it because it, self, show. No, self-control in itself is truly power. Yes. It, whether, you know, because if you quit drinking and you stop drinking and you never touch alcohol again for the rest of your life, you, whether you agree with me or not, this is my own personal opinion, you still let that control yes. your life, even though you're not consuming it. You are still victim to it. Now, I understand some people don't have self-control, and that is perfectly fine. It's perfectly natural, and I hope that they find that level in their life that makes them feel that they have that control, whether it's no alcohol, being able to have one or two, or being able to go out to the bar and get trashed on a weekend and not do it again for six months or exactly. whatever. and be okay with that. You know, but it's 
and and that's the thing having that self-control in itself is is truly power that in itself is power yes and that's what i strive to have is that control over myself that what am i I, doing that that way i know do i want to do this or do i not want to do yes my life my decision is as good or as bad as i allow it to be if it doesn't make me money if it doesn't make me better and if it doesn't make me happy i have no thoughts towards it there's, i waste no, no time energy because you got other things to do yeah and, and that, that to me is is a powerful thing that can help so many other people who are struggling because we're all struggling with something like like you said but so, so don't don't just brush it on the rug like it's no big deal it is a big deal yeah and you should be really proud of that and that's something that i think could really help other people well i, so, so I, 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 I thank appreciate you for, that i and thank you for sharing that for others because i Doing a podcast is a bit vulnerable because oh, you, yeah. you've got to oh, put yeah. so much of yourself out there. So I, 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 well, I greatly appreciate that. One of the things that I've learned to uh, grow to enjoy is sharing my story, sharing what's happened to me in my life. You know, granted, there's a lot more people out there who have a lot better stories than me. But, you know, I, I do everything I can and maybe even to a fault, go out of my way to try to help people. And sometimes I even allow my own personal well-being to deteriorate because I'm going out of my way to help other people. Yep. And this is uh, normally the case. So I I mean if anybody on here who is listening, if anybody hears this and they need help, reach out to me. Talk to me. Text me. Send me an email. Send me a fucking smoke signal. Let me know that you need help. I'll do whatever I can for anybody who is willing to at least listen to what I have to say. Now I will say this, you're probably not going to like what I have to say, <laughs> but I can promise you that if you listen to what I'm saying, and if, if I can help anybody, I will, you know, somebody, I tell, and you've heard me say this, Jeff, mm-hmm. you've heard me say it a million times, I will do, I, this goes as far as people allow it to, I will give them everything I have, I'll give them 110%, but this only goes as far as they allow it yep. to. And that's the one thing I think that a lot of people struggle with is the fact that when they finally get someone in their life that's willing to help them, willing to coach them, willing to train them, and they're like, well, why aren't they giving me more? Because you're not ready for more. Exactly. Right. So if exactly. you were ready, they'd be giving you more. They've got so much more to give. Right. Like, what dictates that? Well, you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can bring the analogy back to uh, The Matrix. Yeah. Like that that's that movie series. And, and like, they, they talk to the Oracle. And the Oracle knows all these things. And, and right. Neo goes in there to talk to the Oracle. Yeah. And, it's like, why didn't you tell me that? Like, because you weren't ready to hear it. Like, right. Who decides that? You know who. He's like, shit, it's me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, he didn't who? say that in the movie, but that, right. that's the but kind of. But you know the look on his exactly. face. Exactly. So yeah. he's like, okay, well, it's time to know some other things. He's like, well, good. Yeah. I think so, too. Well, I am a firm believer in that we all are a master of our own beings. And it doesn't matter what you've experienced in your life. It, it truly doesn't matter. I honestly think that damaged people are more likely to succeed because they know how to step aside when the shit hits the fan. For sure. Which is why you see a lot of these rich kid, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, exactly trust fund kids and they ruin their lives because they haven't gone through the shit that other people have gone through. That's why people who come over from another country or was it like six or seven times more likely to be a millionaire than anybody who's like born here. And we've got like one of the best opportunities ever in time history. When, one of the things and one of the people who is very closest to me, my buddy Brian Phillips, he keeps me so grounded because by the time he was seven years old, he was an orphan. Both his parents had passed away. Uh, his mom and dad were both killed by a drunk driver on two separate occasions. 
almost a year to the or several years apart to the day. Yeah. And um, his grandparents raised him, uh, him and his sister. And but if you met him, he's probably one of the most outgoing, uh, happy go lucky kind of people that you that you would ever meet. And I. I bounced so much of my stuff off of him because when my mom died and I was, you know, going through all this stuff and I'm like, man, my life sucks. And, you know, what did I do to deserve this? And, and, and all this, you know, all the things that we go through when you're uh, grieving, I was able to talk to him about, and he just kind of, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. You know, you want this to be better? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, then make it better. He goes, you lucky, you got 19 years with your mom. You know, that was one of the things he used to tell me. And the first time he ever said it to me, it kind of upset me. Yeah. You know, he goes, you got 19 years with your mom. He said, you know how many I got? Four. He was four years old when his mom died. She got hit by a drunk driver, pushed under a semi. Yeah, and really, and really yeah. how much of that four years did he get? Yeah. You know what I'm but saying? The, but yeah. that's the thing. You know, I yeah. mean, as a child, what, I mean, he has little to no memory of his mother. He has... He has a one picture of his mom in his house, and I, I stand there and I will stare at that photograph. I've never met his his parents, but I'm thankful for them. Yeah, I, I love those two people, and I hope that in the grand scheme of things, one day I get to meet their soul, if you will. Oh, you know, how, however you want to look at that, you know, whatever your philosophical bend is. Um, I I just I'm thankful for those two people because I know that they made him. Even, even even through the hardship, they made him. Just like me sitting here right now, my mother made me. E- even after she passed away, she was still molding me, shaping me. But that's because I allowed her to. I allowed that to happen. I allowed those changes to come into my life and, and make things better. And he was a big part of that, you know. And we always joke around. He's like, I ever, uh, I can't remember what the hell he says. Basically... You know, the reason why he doesn't act any different is because we never went nowhere, you know? Yeah. You know, never, never went nowhere, so why act any different, you know? (laughs) You know, we're always working on vehicles together and stuff, and, you know, I mean, he, it's all about making things better, you know? Yeah. No matter what it is, whether we're turning wrenches on our trucks, or whether we're talking about, you know, the hardships that we've been through in life, you know, it... We do that so well for each other that when he has a bad day and he's just generally pissed at the world, the first thing he does is he calls me and he comes over to my house. Because at the end of that conversation, when he walks out the door, that dude is grinning from ear to ear. And same thing, when I'm having a bad day, I go see him. And it's one of those things, you ever have that friend where when you talk to him, you know they're going to cheer you up, but it pisses you off because you want to be upset about whatever you're upset about. You're like... Let me be mad, damn it. I, I don't need you to make me feel better. He's like, stop your whining. Yeah. yeah, but at the end of it, you know, I I'm, I feel better. You know, you're happy again, if you will. You know, or you're laughing and joking and stuff. And Damn it, dude, I wanted to be pissed about this. And, that, <laughs> and now I'm not, you know, so. Uh, well, more people need that. Yeah, yeah. you know, so like I said. True story. Y- yeah. Need real friends in their life. I, yeah, I, absolutely. I, but those, those are what I call like the 3 a.m. 
friends. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Like, well, you could call them at 3 a.m. They got to be to work the next morning. Right. You're two hours away. Car broke down. You can't get it fixed. Like, dude, I need you to come get me. Yeah, and I'm yeah. on my way. And they'll come yeah, get you. Yeah, where the hell yeah. Those Either are the Either that or if one's in jail, instead of calling you, you're sitting right beside them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of jail, people. It's not yeah. a happy no, place. it's not a happy But place. I, yeah, I encourage people, and as cheesy as it sounds, find find a Kenny Shriver for your life. Yep. Find a Brian Phillips for your life. Find a Jeff Wilson for your life. <laughs> Find people who make you better, no matter what. You may hate them some days. They may push you beyond your breaking point. You know, you that's may, what a mentor you may is crumble, supposed to do. But that's, sure, absolutely. that's how we grow. That's how we become better. That's how we become more human. I don't know. I couldn't agree more. I'll tell you, what, I feel like we could talk for a couple more hours. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know you guys got to go. So, uh, where can people find you guys? Where can they find the shop? Yeah, the shop. The shop's located at four twenty six East Liberty Street in Worcester, Ohio. Of course, our uh, office number is six zero one zero four eight eight, and that is of course three three zero area code. Um, info at ioftwtg.com if you want to get on the on the database or in the database, so you get That's for the email, email blast. Yeah. And then, Ethan, what's the... Uh, yeah, if you want to get on Instagram, you can find us at at instruments underscore of underscore freedom. <laughs> yep. And then on Facebook, just look up Instruments of Freedom and yep. uh, uh, send us a message, whatever. You'll usually get one of us, most likely me. I'm the one who handles all of our social media platform and, and all that stuff. Well, you are the millennial, so that makes sense. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because right. he can't read without his glasses. Well, he's yeah, like, what the hell is that You were headed there before yeah. too long. Don't yeah. give him too much yet. Yeah. Well, guys, All I appreciate good. it. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. I feel like we can definitely do this again. So you got some more stuff coming up. We got different training happening. Yep. Come back on. We'll promote always it. Great, always great to be here. And yeah. It's always yeah. great to hook up. This All was right. awesome, dude. I really appreciate you having us. Uh, this is the first time I've ever been on podcast. Uh, first time I've ever done anything like this, uh, to let alone even attempt to tell our story myself, uh, personally, as well as, you know, me and Jeff and, and the other guys that we have working with us, you know, uh, this is awesome, dude. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you allowing us to do this. With That's you. no problem. This it's is, is my pleasure. So. This, this is always a lot of fun. I'm sitting here grinning ear to ear. Yeah, it's all fun. My, my face hurts from smiling <laughs> yeah. so much. So this, this is all good. So. So thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right, guys. And we will see you guys next time. All right. Well, that wraps up another great episode. I had a lot of fun during that one. Ethan is definitely a very cool guy. I'm so glad that Jeff brought him on the show. It was, it was awesome for him to share so much of his story and kind of get into like a, some very personal things. And I definitely think we have some more areas we can really kind of dig down in there and bring out some good things that I think a lot of people can really relate to. So hopefully we'll be able to do that in the future. But either, either way, it's always good to have them on the show, and I'm sure we'll have them back on here before too much longer. Well, as always, I greatly appreciate all of you guys for still listening to the show. I'm still having a blast making it. Hopefully you guys are enjoying listening to it. We still need your help. Please go out to Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. Let's leave the show some five-star reviews so we can get bumped up in the ratings. And hopefully we can get some new people listening to the show. But that's all we have for this episode. So we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.